The Giants were eliminated from playoff contention after falling to 2-10 and 10 on Sunday. We talk with New York Post Giants beat writer Paul Schwartz about another lifeless effort in the loss to the Packers that was the team's eighth straight defeat. We also chat with a kicker who helped lead the Giants to two Super Bowl titles. The great Lawrence Tynes joins us. All that and more next on Blue Rush with the New York Post. <laughs> Welcome to Blue Rush, a New York Giants podcast with the New York Post. I'm your host, Jimmy Fela. New episodes come Mondays and Thursdays, so make sure you subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Rate us five stars, write a nice review. Paul Schwartz and Lawrence Tynes join the pod today. Let's get this show on the road. Welcome, welcome, welcome to another big episode of Blue Rush, a podcast that very well may be jinxing the New York football giants. We are on our eighth week of podcasting, nine if you count the bye, and we have now lost all eight games that we've covered. Is it me? Is it the Giants? Is it the Black Cat? Was it the snow? I don't know, but I'll bring on uh, the lovely and talented New York Giants, New York Post beat writer, Paul Schwartz, to make sense of it all. Good morning, Paul Schwartz. Good morning, Jimmy. Um, You know what? I wouldn't take it too personally. In uh, 1976, when I did the first version of this podcast, um, you, you may remember um, Giants Offline, I think it was called. And um, uh, they lost nine straight games that year. And uh, so, but we endured, you know, in 1976 with that first podcast. So you got to suck it up and man up and stop complaining about how tough we have it this year with the Giants losing eight straight. Okay. Because it's been done before. <laughs> well, I thought, I thought it was a nice tie in with the release of Frozen 2 that they covered the field in snow yesterday. It would have been a more productive day if we had decided to build a snowman, and perhaps maybe that'd be the one guy we could cover. Um, I don't know. Where do we even begin on a day like today, Paul Schwartz? I am going to tough it up, like you said, but what, what do we do now? Has the team quit? What's going on in the locker room? You're in the locker room. Have they mailed it in? Is it over? Well, I think the best thing that happened at the game um, Sunday was that um, at one point in the second quarter, it was snowing pretty heavily, and they sent out uh, MetLife Stadium, you know, uh, grounds crew guys, and they each had a shovel and, and they were shoveling. They went from the width of the field and they shoveled the yard markers, you know, every, every 10 yards. And it was really cool to see. I actually tweeted a, a, a video of it. And there was a couple of guys who were just not very straight. It looked like they were a little uh, inebriated or something. And they were kind of weaving in and out. And that kind of looked like the Giants at times, didn't it? You know, they they needed to walk a straight line and they kept on weaving in and out. Um, as far as losing the locker room, the feel of the locker room, for a few years now, for a few weeks now, Jimmy, it's been very numb. Uh, you know, you got a lot of young guys in there. You know, it's not a bunch of invested, long-time, bleeding blue New York Giants who was, who were thinking, oh, man, this is going down and what's happened to the franchise. You got young guys in there. Their heads are spinning. They're just trying to figure it out what this NFL life is. So, it's very quiet. Guys leave early. You know, the guys like Saquon Barkley and Daniel Jones, they have to talk, you know, so they're there. But there's not a lot of fight, not a lot of anger, really. Uh, just a lot of, well, we lost again. It's going to get better. We don't know what to do. Wow. What a, what a time to be alive. Well, I got to tell you, my takeaway yesterday is that the Giants are kind of doing us a service in that if you happen to play fantasy football, 
you pretty much at this point are just starting whatever quarterback is playing the Giants. I mean, they've they've minimized the research for a lot of people, and I know he's Aaron Rodgers, uh, but but I mean, they made him look like I guess I don't I don't want to say Tom Brady in his prime because they beat Tom Brady in his prime, but they made him look uh, almost extraterrestrial yesterday in the snow of all places. When is the defense going to cover anything like a pool? Anything? It's interesting because uh, um, Aaron Rodgers said after the game that. You know, he was kind of concerned it was raining. He was hoping it wouldn't be freezing rain. But he said, once I saw those big fluffy white snowflakes, I said, we got this. Because, you know, he plays in Lambeau Field and, and snow is not going uh, not going to bother him at all. Um, the defense was bad. Yes, the, the Giants have become a get-well team for every other team. If, if you're having trouble throwing the ball, schedule the Giants. If you're having trouble running the ball, schedule the Giants. Although the Giants, they did do a good job with their run defense yesterday, uh, which didn't matter because Aaron Rodgers just figured, I'll just throw it. There were times, there was one, uh, I think, third or fourth and 10 play where he got pressured, fourth and 15, I think it was, and just, you know, backpedaling, just flipped the ball to his receiver. And you had to think that Aaron Rodgers on the flight home yesterday was thinking, Man, this is so easy. That was so easy. Uh, yeah, the Giants are the get-well team. You know, if you have problems, they're like, uh, they should charge by the hour like a psychiatrist's couch. You got problems, if you're depressed, holiday season coming, look, we'll fix what ails you. <laughs> it's funny you mentioned therapy couch because I know there's a few million fans sitting on one this morning right now. After They, <laughs> they just got a brand-new flat screen on Black Friday and then shot it on Sunday. And now they've got to get back to the store and shop again on Cyber Monday. Well, across the field, Paul Schwartz, the other quarterback uh, played a little bit more like, I don't know, Mr. Rogers, like Fred Rogers, like the guy who hosts the talk show. Uh, a couple of really ugly interceptions by Daniel Jones yesterday, no? Yeah, yeah, I can't, can't argue. You know, that, that has been something, Jimmy, that he hasn't done. He came into yesterday's game with only eight interceptions, you know, 17 touchdowns, eight interceptions, very acceptable for a rookie. His big fatal flaw was his 10 lost fumbles. And we all said, well, look, he can he can learn how to not fumble as much, hold on to the ball, but it's good that he's not misreading what he sees on the field and he's not turning the ball over as far as interceptions at an alarming rate. And then came yesterday, which um, one of them was just a bad throw, a sale. You know, he just sailed his throw. It happens, you know, just a bad throw, like a bad pitch. But two of them were bad reads, bad decisions, and that's more troubling because that's a rookie not seeing what is happening on the defense with his coverages. And, yeah, it, it, it was a step back for Daniel Jones. He made some really nice throws, but three interceptions. You know, the Giants punted once in that game, once. And if I told you going in, I think the Giants are only going to punt once, you're going to say, wow, we got something cooking here because the offense is staying on the field. Well, no, the offense didn't stay on the field because Daniel Jones gave the ball away three times at interceptions. And so, yeah, he has to own it. That, that was a step back. I guess my going forward now is, you know, anybody who's still playing is playing for a job, whether it's here or it's elsewhere uh, next season. Where is Pat Shermer? We've now had this conversation, I feel like, five weeks in a row. Where is where's the Pat Shermer evaluation at? If you say, well, Pat Shermer couldn't beat the Packers, and so he got to lose his job. Well, yeah, he wasn't going to beat the Packers. The Packers are a much better team. But Pat Shermer, after that, this last loss, eight in a row, I mean, the Giants became the first team in their 94-year history to not win a game in September and October. And now next week, next Monday in Philadelphia, they can match the franchise record for most losses in a row at nine from 1976, as we mentioned. So 
Uh, you know, Pat Germer's feeling it. You know, he said, I'm always concerned when we don't win. Uh, he mentioned again, this is a, a historically young team. He likes to put that out there to say, look, they gave me this historically young team. I'm only doing what I can do with it. But he he knows. He said, I'm a realist. I know that when you don't lose, this is what people think about you. And this is what is written about you. And, you know, it was interesting. He said, when we turn this around and start winning games, people will change the way they feel about me and the way they feel about this team. And the question is, will he get that opportunity? If they go to 14, if they go to 14 and lose games down the stretch here to the Eagles, one to the Dolphins, one to the Redskins, it is going to be, I think, practically impossible to bring him back. Yeah, I mean, seriously, say what you want about Pat Shermer, but he's going to be excellent next year on Dancing with the Stars. I think he's going to be a force to be reckoned with when he gets in there next year. I don't think he's coming back at this point. And, uh, you know, the Giants, who are, are an organization that has stressed continuity, and they have a lot to show for that in the former Super Bowl championships, I don't think they can look at what they have here and pull that defiant Chris Johnson move like the Jets did with Adam Gase and extending him and ensuring he'd be back. There's just no way the Giants are looking at this and saying, yeah, we just need to stay the course. Paul Schwartz, I thank you for staying the course. There's a lot of guys who wouldn't show up to play after an eighth straight podcast loss, but I think that's what makes you the cool-handed veteran in our locker room is that you're here, win, lose, or draw. Mostly lose, but the point is you're here and we appreciate it. Well, like I said, I was I was there for the initial podcast in 76, uh, and uh, we didn't have a lot of listeners then. You know what I mean? We didn't have a lot, but we did it, and we, we endured those nine straight losses. So we got to keep on trucking with uh, these eight straight losses this year. <laughs> I appreciate it, man. Uh, true words have never been spoken, and I'll talk to you later in the week. Thanks, man. All right, Jimmy. After the eighth straight Giants loss, it's time to hear what the fans are thinking and our weekly check-in from the fans with our producer, Jake Brown. Dear Giants, another miserable loss, getting smacked around by the Packers at MetLife in front of a crowd that was as dead as your season. The snow came down, and so did the tears. Well, at this point, we are all used to it. The New York Mets, listen to this, the New York Mets have won a game more recently than you have. That last win against the Redskins was on September 29th, and it came hours before the Mets on the last game of the regular season. Let that sink in. It's hard to fathom at this point how defensive coordinator James Betcher has not been fired. Teams make coordinator change during the season, and if there ever was a time to do it and give this guy a pink slip, it's Betcher. This team has showed absolutely no improvement all year long on the defensive side of the football. It's week 13, and guys are still out of position. It's pathetic. Can him. And for Pat Shermer, it's the same old song. This team could not be taken seriously if Pat Shermer's manning the sidelines in 2020. He's clearly lost this team. And speaking of manning, you have to let Eli Manning start that Week 17 game against the Eagles at MetLife. There is next to nothing to watch for in the Giants this last month. Let the fans see Eli one more time. You already sat him after two games and thought that was the right move when the rookie QB beat two lousy teams. Well, guess what? You are now witnessing the pains of a rookie quarterback getting thrown into the fire early. Three picks on Sunday makes it 11 interceptions on the season. 10 fumbles on the season in 10 games. 21 turnovers 
in 10 games. That is quite alarming. So can everyone settle down and take a step back in locking Daniel Jones as the franchise quarterback for the next decade? While there have been some signs of promise, there have been more signs of concern. I get it. It's still early, but everyone, just slow your roll with this kid. With four games still left for us all to watch, and I'm sorry to your eyes to have to do this. You might have to go to an eye doctor once December 29th is over with. You have already been eliminated, Giants, from playoff contention. Even in an NFC East in which no team seems to want to win. You are 2-10. and ten. Players and coaches have checked out and are thinking of a tropical island as soon as New Year's Eve hits. Hell, I'm thinking about that too. Get me a drink, 80 degrees, sunshine, and some tanning lotion. Please. From the fans. Joining us now on the show, not only is he a two-time Super Bowl champion, but he is one of the only Giant fans that isn't in a bar this morning. Uh, Lawrence Tynes makes his debut on Blue Rush. Good morning, Lawrence Tynes. <laughs> good, good morning. Thanks for having me. Unbelievable. You know, it's hard to imagine for a lot of people who watch the Giants today, uh, but you once kicked the team to two Super Bowls, arguably the two biggest kicks in franchise history. Uh, of course, the first one against Green Bay was the coldest kick in franchise history, would you not say? Yes. Yeah, it does. It does seem like a long time ago. It's been a been a really rough ride here in the last three three to five years but what i was going to say is that i'm, I'm talking about the, the the temperature at lambeau field in 2008 when you kicked the game winning uh field goal in overtime can you feel your foot yet from that game or is it still numb yeah so it's just that's that's one of those deals where you know what it we walked out of the hotel that that morning and i just looked at jeff eagles and i said this is gonna suck and that was kind of our mantra the whole game because you know, he couldn't he couldn't hold but maybe four or five kicks in pregame. So the whole day was off. You just had to kind of be mentally tough. Obviously, Mason kicked really well in it. Um, definitely the toughest conditions I have ever played in by far. By far. Is it, uh, did, you know, when you're at a Lambeau Field and it's negative, whatever the heck it was, are you heartened at all by the fact that there's always three bozos with no shirts on in the stands? Yeah. I mean, if you can't look at those guys and get some, kind of motivation that hey I've got at least got two layers of sleeves on and pads and a helmet I mean although there's one missing ingredient uh the alcohol so you know that'll that'll warm you up a little bit those guys have that we don't although some guys might I don't know yeah (laughs) there might be a little eggnog in the holiday Gatorade cooler (laughs) is what you're telling me that's amazing uh but you're an interesting fun fact Lawrence Tynes because you're the only player in history in the history of the NFL to have two overtime game-winning field goals in the playoffs, obviously the second one being against the 49ers, is, I mean, it, those are big kicks. What does a guy like Lawrence Tynes do to stay calm and drill those kicks? Well, it's just a matter of having been there. done. You know, the second one was obviously easier than the first one. Um, Conditions-wise, they weren't great, but, you know, all you can do is just build off past experiences. And, you know, fortunately for us, I was on <clears throat> some good teams and, was able to be put in some situations that kind of, you know, get the anxiety levels up. And so everything you do in this league is really based on, you know, what you've done in the past. And so leaning on prior experiences really helped me probably get through some of those, uh, you know, kind of anxiety-filled pressure moments. Yep. Uh, Well, you know, knowing that you've gotten through them, it must make it a lot of fun to watch today's kickers because these guys are just fantastic, right? (laughs) (laughs) They suck. Uh, it's unbelievable i i you know i i follow numbers i'm a big numbers guy i'm still passionate about the nfl the giants and and 
the percentage is down almost 5% so year over year. I mean, that's, that is, we're seeing numbers not seen since like 2003. And um, it, it just, uh, you know, I can't put my finger on it. I mean, I saw Nick Falk trot out there for the New England Patriots. I thought he retired when I did. <laughs> I, I, I had no idea that Nick Falk was still trying to play football. Nick Falk is, is better than a lot of the guys that have, have kind of signed and tried to fill in this year. Um, unfortunately, he has the appendectomy and they cut him, which seems odd. But In more ways than one. Uh, yeah. I guess the Patriots can cut you after you get surgery. Um, but it, it just doesn't make sense to me. You know, field goals made uh, per game are down uh, 1.5 a game, which we haven't seen since 2009 or 10. So there's a lot of bad going on. And I, I don't know what it is. Well, I was going to ask you this. Moving back the extra point, would do you feel like that would have affected you in any way? Naturally, it's obviously a further kick. Um, I think what happens is if, if guys go out there early, and, and usually the 20-yard extra point, I don't care if you made an 18-yarder or a 23-yarder. Any kick made is a confidence builder. You, you saw it go through the uprights. The position is 100% mental. Um, and, and just anything you make early gives you confidence. And then the, the uprights, as you go throughout the game, slowly get wider and wider and wider. Or if you're missing, they get narrower and narrower and more narrow. So – it's all mental. I mean, and I just truly think the younger generation, and some people kick me for that, they're just not mentally tough. They're they're not. And they're struggling. They miss, you know, because to me, field goal kicking in, in, at any level is not how many you make in a row. It's, it's what do you do after you miss? And so I'm seeing a lot of guys continue to miss after they miss one. Coaches know you're going to miss. And that's, a, that's okay. But every coach in the NFL wants to see what are you going to do after you miss? And the guys continue to struggle. You got to bounce back. Um, do you think on any level, because they review every scoring play now, and there's so many replays in the game, do you think that's just hurting the rhythm for kickers by any chance? It could be, but then again, that's on the kicker because you should go practice that. Everything should be practiced. you know. And obviously I played for Tom Coughlin, a detail-oriented guy, and we practiced every single situation that could possibly come up. And if if 90% of touchdowns are being reviewed and I'm a kicker, I'm going to stay – if I stay on my net, you know, and I kick a couple balls before I go out there, I'm going to stay out there until, you know, the review's over and just kind of go through my routine. I would practice something that feels normal. So that's on the kickers. You're professional football players. You get paid to, you know, make kicks. And so that's on them. Well, at this point, the only thing the Giants are practicing is waving a white flag at the end of the third quarter because we are. We've become like a homecoming opponent for teams. Like they want to schedule us in week three so they can win it, win their homecoming game. Um, do you see any encouraging signs, Lawrence Tynes, when you look at this team right now? You know, it's hard to pick one. Um, I, I do like Daniel Jones. Even I like everything about him, plus all his 21 turnovers. Um, I, I think – I think there's something there. I really do. I, I just don't know that he's he's in the best offense right now for his skill set. Um, I like his composure. I love his post game. He's very composed. He says all the right things, and that's something you can obviously build on. Um, you know, outside of that, I mean, I, there's not a whole lot to like. Riley Dixon, I mean, he's great. The punter's great. Um, it just – it's hard to – to pick something. Saquon, I think, is taken. You know, I, I don't think Saquon's healthy. Um, 
the offense should have been better. Ingram's never on the field. Um, that's not his fault. I mean, it's just part of the deal. But I just think Daniel Jones kind of came into a, a pretty bad situation. And then defensively, outside of Jack Rabbit and Golden, I mean, I don't, I don't know where you start there. Yeah, it's, it's a little bit of a mess. But uh, there's another mess that I observed yesterday on Twitter involving yourself uh, weighing in on the kicker on the Dolphins yesterday. Um, what was the actual pot shot taken at the Dolphins kicker, that he was the least athletic guy in the team? Yeah, so I, I love watching the red zone. And so, you know, Scott Hansen, he does a great job covering, and he loves to say Octobox. And so we, we get, you know, start watching, and me and my son are watching, and he, he's kind of replaying that Miami uh, swinging gate touchdown play, a really cool play. And he kind of starts it off by saying, and Jason Sanders, probably the worst athlete on the team, makes a touchdown reception. I mean, that, that, where do you get off saying that? Like, Here's what I always said about kicking. If you, if I took the other 50 guys outside of the punter and the and the snapper on the team to kick a 35-yard field goal, I bet you one guy would make it. But I always said I bet you I could put a kicker out there and run a go route or a, a out an in a hitch, throw a football. So don't don't put us in that category. Kickers are really good athletes. I mean, we can pretty much do anything on the field. We just lack the size. Yeah, you know what? It's generally it's it's just lazy broadcasting because he's he's appealing to a cliche. It's a cheap shot, and Sky Hansen, if you want to listen to this, I will gladly take you out there and see how many kicks you can make from thirty-five yards at some point. Oh, I love it! Throwing down the gauntlet. Uh, well, I will say this: I got a kick out of the fact that the Dolphins beat the Eagles yesterday, which is just the funniest thing in the world. Uh, it's a it's, it's a magic. It's a it's a bad bay to be a light pole or a police horse in the city of Philadelphia because you're both going down today. Do you not get a crazy amount of joy though watching Ryan Fitzpatrick play football? Oh, it's great, man. He's chewing gum, his chin straps midway up the beard. He just is he's just having so much fun and I and I get it. I mean, what was that, his seventh time playing the Eagles in a different helmet? That's incredible. <laughs> He he is like long before there was a Gardner Minshew, there was a Fitz Magic. He's that's a great comparison. Yeah, he's he's always been that guy, and nobody. You're right. He can play, man. He made some throws yesterday. That, I mean, big time throws, and I don't know what is he, 38, 39 years old. I mean, he's he can still play. I mean, I, I don't know if he said this was his last year, but I mean, that guy could make five million for the next five years being a backup. He has to too. He has like thirty kids. Yeah, he's got that many kids. He's like a dugger. He's going to be on hoarders. He just keeps having babies, this guy. But he does, he looks like he could be um, a hustler in like a white men can't jump because I don't think I would pick Fitzmagic first. But you know what? You'd get beat. You'd lose a lot of money out there because he makes the throws. Yeah, he's fun to watch, man. My, I love, my kids love watching him. I mean, he's, he's just a fun, uh, he's just a fun guy to watch play the game. When you're watching the, the red zone at home with the kids, uh, praying that you cover the spread and hold on to the house, which I know you're doing like me. I'm kidding. Yeah. <laughs> but um, when you're looking at these cities around the league, is there any city you miss playing in beyond New York? Because you, you ever look at, like, Green Bay or, or Philly, and you're like, man, I liked being in Philly. I loved playing in Green Bay for a lot of reasons. Just I, I love I love to drive up to that stadium. That You know, you're kind of coming through neighborhoods, and then, boom, here's this cathedral that we all have read about and seen on TV. That one has like a historic feeling when you walk through the, the tunnel. And then, you know, I miss Dallas. It was always fun playing there because you're typically playing in prime time. It's a night game. Um, you're playing in Jerry's World. So uh, there's a few places. Arrowhead, where I started my career, which I still think is the best outdoor stadium in terms of noise in the NFL. So 
Um, you know, I miss Sundays. I, you know, that's the one thing you miss when you're done playing is the competition and watching Tucker hit game winners. That's the one thing. You just miss being in that moment um, to help your team win a game. The Giants have literally lost eight straight games since we started the show. So, oh, so fun times. Yeah, this was a this was a podcast, and now it's just like a self-help seminar where people, yeah. people are calling in from the ledge of their house and we have to talk them down uh, twice a week. But but we're getting there, and this was definitely helpful, man. Um, my go forward, uh, my last question for you while I still got you here. What does a December look like for Lawrence Tynes? Are you eating like you're going to the electric chair, or are you trying to stay in shape still? No, I mean, I try and stay in pretty good shape. So, you know, I've got two 12-year-old boys that play sports, and I, I kind of try and set an example of, you know, work ethic and staying in shape. But believe me, I'm not. I'm not Steve Weatherford. Um, <clears throat> I'm not like 5% body fat. I mean, I keep my my 12 to 15, and uh, I do like to eat and enjoy the holidays with friends and family. But, the you know, I, I do stay a little bit longer on, on the beer with the Giants. So, um, <laughs> you know, that adds a few pounds. But, you know, I don't know. What is the consensus when these people call? Like, are they jumping off ledges? or There's no silver lining. That's I think I said on Twitter, there's just nothing exciting about this team to moving forward. Like, I mean, I don't know. Well, I think I think at this point the exciting part is that it's almost over, that we're like four weeks away from people getting their lives back. And they're talking about, you know, John Mara has to be uh, – I can't even imagine what his emotions are right now. I mean, picking first or second again. Yeah, it gets old. But you know what? I'm I'm a big Ohio State fan, and I know Chase Young would look really good on the outside. Uh, he would be uh, shades of the – Original LT we had on the Giants before he came along. Uh, you came along and wiped that LT off the map. Clearly, you're the only LT left now. Yeah. <laughs> but are you not a little concerned that Chase Young did nothing against Michigan? I am. Uh, he got tripled, and, you know, they they, they ran the, they ran away from him most of the What do you think the NFL is going to do to him? I know, and you make a brilliant point there. Great players continue to find ways to make plays. So I'm not saying he's not worthy of top one or two picks. I'm just saying I would – have to put him through a workout where three guys are trying to block him. I, I do agree. Uh, but let's not forget, he missed out on some valuable reps against Rutgers. That was uh, <laughs> one of those tough opponents. Yeah, he was suspended for two games. He came back. He played well against Penn State. But you're right to say that he, he had a nothing game against Michigan, which was disheartening. But I don't think any Buckeye fans, like my wife is running around topless right now. She's an Ohio State girl. So uh, I think she's gotten over the fact that Chase Young uh, was a little behind the eight ball. But our producer, Jake Brown, has one for you. Let me get him on. LT, you, you told me the story of your either conversation with the the other LT, who uh, I hear is a Hall of Famer and was pretty good at linebacker. Uh, can you tell us that story? So I get it, so I got traded to New York in, in 2007. And so my first uh, moment, you know, meeting anyone in the organization was at the Giants golf tournament. And so I, you know, I get to Westchester Country Club, I believe it is, and, and I'm meeting people for the first time. And Jerry Reed shakes my hand. He's with Harry Carson. And Harry Carson goes, well, you know, what's your name, young man? I said, Lawrence, Lawrence Times. I said, I, I go by LT. And he goes, no, you don't, that quickly. So, you know, this is 2007. So fast forward, like, I don't know, six, seven months later, I, you know, Harry's a big part of the Giants organization. He travels with the team. And so I, I made that kick in Green Bay. And I see him in the locker room, and he kind of comes up, and we share, like, 30 seconds together. And he goes, I'll call you LT now. So pretty cool moment for me you know from Harry having played with LT but you know you had to earn the moniker and so um, 
that's just kind of a cool story that I tell people that I think is, is kind of neat that, you know, I just had to earn my stripes. Bad teams in the end of the year. Do you ever see guys check out, make up injuries, go to IR and coast into the off season? hundred percent. It People will check out because here's what happens, right? They're going to start playing young guys. The veteran that's, you know, kind of had a, a, a an average season, you know, you, you do see it now. Granted, I have only been on one of those teams, and that's when I saw it. Um, I believe it was 2005. Maybe it was my first year. I think it was our second year. So, um, yeah, it's you see guys check out. There's no doubt. We appreciate you joining the show, man. This was really cool of you to do. There you bet. Anytime. Love to do it. Rock and roll. Talk to you soon. There he goes, everybody. Lawrence Tynes, the legend, the LT of this generation. That is it for this episode of Blue Rush. Thanks to Jake Brown for producing another stellar podcast. Listen to all episodes of Blue Rush by subscribing on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or any of your preferred podcast platforms. You can find more Giants news by signing up for our daily New York Post sports newsletter and by visiting NewYorkPost.com. We'll be back Thursday previewing the Giants Monday Nighter with the Philadelphia Eagles. See you then.